Welcome to another episode of the Flow Road Podcast. I am Edgar Otra Vez, and my co-host today will be not my cousin Dan. And we're going to be talking about the latest Nia Da Costa joint, The Candyman. Man, this movie is so good. And uh, don't you worry, we're going to get right into it. Just so you know, you can find us on Instagram under the name The Flow Roll. You can find me, Edgar Otraves, under the name Edgar Otraves. And you can also find my co-host, the very hilarious Not My Cousin Dan, under the name Dantastic Sizzler. Also, if you're new to the show, head on over to our website, theflowrollpodcast.com, where you'll find a complete catalog of, where you'll find a complete catalog of all our episodes along with a store and a bunch of other things that we do man we got deep into this one man i love bringing movies apart and talking about them and dan has some really great insight on this one as well it's just it's so much fun to do all this and i i love not my cousin dan he is one of the funniest people i know and i enjoy every single time every conversation i have with this man every moment i spend with this man is a, is a gift i hope you guys enjoy this one we had tons of fun now on with the show where you're like a, an, an emotional midget. An emotional midget. Yeah. Yeah, we are. We're sensitive guys, just in different ways. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm a big baby. I'm a but big I am, baby. I wish I could say I'm a big baby. I don't think that's accurate, though. Because it's, it's like, I'm just not okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel appropriately. <laughs> I feel things like way more intensely and way more immediately than 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 what i imagine normal productive human beings do and then it's like i feel things like 20 years later <laughs> like 20 years later all of a sudden i'm like you hurt me yeah. you hurt me yeah you're still pissed you know? off about the thing that you know some asshole or, or it's like i'm getting pissed off about the thing like for real for the first time you know, like <laughs> for the first that. time ever, I realized like, oh, my God, that uh, that was hurtful for me. That was hurtful. <laughs> and then you realize like how many things in your life you've sabotaged because you just didn't know that you were carrying around some ridiculous hurt. I shouldn't say ridiculous because I don't want to minimize it. Like I, I, I want to minimize it for me, but like other people who have their emotions dude have your emotions yeah have, like a friend of mine posted this this thing on facebook it, he's a he's a college professor and he's like a a licensed social worker and a licensed therapist and he posted this very sort of touching thing but the end the end of it was it's okay to change how you it's okay to want to change how you feel about things that's cool that's growth to be to want to change don't sabotage yourself by telling you yourself that like it's irrational to feel the way that you do or that you're a ridiculous person like no you can't have one we can't have growth that's that's actually part of the problem is the fact that you think you're ridiculous or irrational that's part of the reason why uh -huh. that you get triggered and whatnot is because you feel like your emotions diminish you you know I feel that that's that's probably good for like the normal human person 
Except we're not normal. Except for me. Yeah. I don't think that applies to me. (laughs) (laughs) You think your your, your emotions are ridiculous. I think I am a ridiculous person. I think I'm very ridiculous sometimes. I mean, there are times, I mean, you know, I'll be, you know, being funny, all that, you know, being trying to be funny on, on the side. Like there are moments where I'm being ridiculous, but I mean, and there are moments where I'm being serious, but for the most part, there's a lot of stupid shit that I get pissed off about where I should. Oh be, yeah. Look, I should just let it go, you know, but I, that's part of the thing is there's a lot of stupid shit that, that, that'll send me into a tailspin, you know, <laughs> a lot of that stuff. That's like on the surface, like Jesus Christ, what are you getting so bent out of shape for? Yeah. You know, but the thing of it is it's, it's, it's tied to something else. There's something more traumatic that's tied to that. That's like, you got to dig down a little bit deeper. And once you find out that, Oh, that's why, because that happened. This thing happened to me when I was like in a vulnerable place and, and uh, maybe somebody else took advantage of that or, or, or somehow some way, your vulnerability got fucking stomped on, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. but, but, you know, yeah, like there, there are little inconsequential things that'll just be like, it, you know, Dan turns into insane person, you know, <laughs> but it's because like you, well, you back away from it a little bit, you do enough digging, you find out like, oh, there's a thing there. There's an actual thing. And like, no, the reaction maybe wasn't appropriate. Let's, we'll be fair and honest about that. But, but it's good that the reaction happened because it gives you an opportunity to dive down a little bit and try to untangle some of that nastiness. Yeah. I know. I, I agree. There's, there's definitely like stuff that needs to be dealt with. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, man, is it me or am I, is my sound crazy? No, you sound fine. Okay. Dude, I, I feel like I sound a little hot. You sound a little a little low, a little low. Well, in fact, uh, I sound like <laughs> I sound like Tony Todd. <laughs> Tony Todd and Candyman, and Candy, which we will be discussing at some point today. Once we get through the bubblegum psychobabble pop, yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't yeah. diminish it. There we go. I'm diminishing things again. Yeah. Just, that's not to be diminished. Like you, it's. Oh no! It's emotions it's are fucking real, man. No, no, it's a real thing, and we all have them, and we're all messes. We're every single person on the face of the earth is a mess. Yeah, and and I guess I guess the the problem is is that we think we think it's funny because some like you're saying the 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 symptom the thing we see is usually something ridiculous. You touched my hand when I went for the for the straw at the same time. You're an asshole. You know, it's just like, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, you know, at the local Starbucks, it's just like it doesn't make any sense. But that's because, you know, someone said something like you said, or someone said something to you. Someone did something to you. And it's just it's something it's, that you may not even really remember. You yeah. just you just have the trauma associated with it. That's all that's left. Yeah. Is the trauma. Mm-hmm. And you got to figure out why. And, and that's the real. That's the real kicker, because. Once you figure out, and, and believe me, like I've gone through enough therapy and, and I've gone through enough trauma, both to understand. Once you figure out the things that make you tick and the things that make you trigger, 
once you're self-aware of all of the flaws that, that, that combine to make you the messy person that you are, that doesn't help. Like it helps a little bit because <laughs> no you're like, does. you're aware, you're, you're aware, uh-huh. but all that's good for is, okay, now I know where to start to try to fix this stuff. Uh-huh. And some of that shit can't be fixed. Yeah. You know, some there's, of it- there's some, there's some shit. There are some things that you go and you experience in life. And some of them are, are relatively trivial, you know, mm-hmm. some things, especially when you explain them to other people, it's like, that sounds pretty trivial, but for you, it wasn't for you. It's a big fucking deal. Well, and it's always going to be a big fucking deal. And there may not ever be getting past it. You may be able to somehow learn to skate around it, but fixing it, dude, if, if you could fix it, there wouldn't be psychologists and, you know, 40% of America wouldn't be on antidepressants, you know? Yeah. If there was a fix, Welcome to another episode of the Floral Podcast. This is Edgar Traves with, of course, my good friend, not my cousin Dan. What's up, brother? Dobranos, Traves. Dobranos, how are you doing? All right, all right. So, how do you say that? Dobranos? Dobranos. Dobranos. Dobra, good, not evening. Oh. Evening, night, good night. Dobranos. If we recorded these in the mornings, it would be, you know, Dovizenia, something like that. That's that's all. I, I didn't know how fluent you were. I'm not that fluent. <laughs> I used to know a lot more swear words. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I lost most of it. I, I don't know about you. Well, no, because you're still fluent in Spanish. When I started, I, from what I have been told, spoke Polish before I spoke English. Yeah. But when I started going to school, so like in kindergarten, you know, five, six years old, and nobody else at school speaks Polish, I lost it in a heartbeat. Yeah. In a heartbeat, because it's like, well, I don't want to, nobody else speaks this way. And if I speak this way, they think I'm a weirdo. Yeah. And so from what I understand, I, I I used to, if not speak it fluently, could understand it. But uh, now I'm very, very limited now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a similar experience, except I lived in a, in a Mexican neighborhood growing up. So then I, well, never... I lived in a Polish neighborhood, too. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. But I mean, Spanish and English was spoken like throughout the whole neighborhood. You can go anywhere without speaking both. You know? Yeah. But it's just a matter of overnight, you go to a, a situation where, well, now you're spending, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day not interacting with the language, exactly. you know? Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, my dad didn't speak Polish. So, like, it's just, it, it went away. So, who spoke it? Was, just, was my mom. Just your, your mom. My mom and my grandparents and my aunt. Is your mom from the mother country? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. That's pretty cool. I like that. That's cool, man. <laughs> no, it is. It's cool. Like I love it. I feel when- like I've talked about this multiple times on the podcast. I don't think so. I I, I don't not, not to this not to this point. Like not to this like where you told me like who speaks because I mean I knew your your grandmother's book. You know, me. Polish Polish American heritage in Chicago is extremely relevant to the Candyman films. <laughs> extremely relevant. How do you okay, so how is that? 
It, oh, it's not <laughs> at all in any way, shape, or form. Is it relevant? No, it's not. In and any that's way. the subject for today, right? I mean, we're talking about yeah. The we are we movies. are going to be talking Candyman. Yeah, so both but the like, new movie and the original, but none of the movies in between. Yeah, because um, and I'll be honest, I went to go see it last night, and you uh, went to go see. Which one, the new one or the old one? No, I saw the new one with. I actually saw the new one with um, Rick Gavel, who was the oh horror yeah, director. yeah, the Michael horror. Myers. Yeah, that yeah. dude, that dude, dude. After the movie, we sat outside in the parking lot and talked about the goddamn movie for like an hour and a half. And uh, so, I feel like, like that must have involved some weed. You know, uh, neither of us uh, smoked at that moment, or not that at we at that do. moment. Yeah. Not that we ever do. I'm just saying, um, just to be clear. Um, but um, yeah, you know, we sat out there and we talked for like an hour and a half about this fucking movie because uh, it was so deep, man. Yeah. I mean, and and you and so like I'm gonna have to, I have to I have to say this I have to preface this this podcast with this fact that some of you're the prefacing that, it 15 minutes in. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well, the the stuff I'm about to say with Candyman, I can't I can't take ownership completely because part of that is pro- part of part of what I'm going to say today. Probably. The brainchild of the brilliant Rick Gavell. Yes, like mm-hmm. it's going to be something that came out of that conversation with him. Um, but uh, it would have been nice to have him today. I didn't I didn't get a chance to kind of tap tap him and and, and ask him to come in. But um, anyway. So just just so you know, not probably not all the thoughts that I'm saying are completely my own. They're they're going to be influenced by that conversation. Well, but hey, let's get philosophical uh, philosophical about it. By the time you're in your 30s or 40s, hell, by the time you're in your 20s, really, nothing you say is really your own. You're the product of your experiences, and you've been influenced by literally every person you've ever come across in your life, mm. and. All of your opinions and all of your your thoughts are just the influences of your experiences and other people. There's not really all that much originality. It's a fucking illusion. It, it is. I'm I'm really in a positive way today. Can you tell <laughs> I'm really just lighten up the evening. Yeah. So um, aside from the deterministic uh, viewpoint that you have about <laughs> our thoughts, um, I am very impressed. I'm very impressed that you busted out the word deterministic. I'm well, it was hard for me to say in case you didn't notice. <laughs> it's not something I bust out all the time. Can you say deterministic in Spanish? I uh, don't think so. <laughs> Good, because I can't say it in Polish. Yeah, I don't think I don't even I, I can make it up. <laughs> I, I think I actually do know the word for deterministic in Polish because I would I think I heard my grandfather say it a number of times. It's just this. <clears throat> your 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 grandfather was talking about determinism in Polish. It was, it, it, intrinsically, yeah, he would just do this sound. He would make this sound. <clears throat> And that's he was talking about determinism. That's determinism. Yeah, I can see that. I I understand that. My grandfather makes the same the same kind of mm-hmm. statement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, um, so I watched I watched. Of course, I watched the new one, which is I think amazing. Um, 
and I watched the old one, but I didn't make it all the way through the old one because it was really late and I fell asleep because <laughs> how far into the old one did you make? it? I made it as far as uh, first of all, let me like I completely forgot this movie. Oh, I, dude. I when we talked believe... about it on the Halloween episode last year. Yeah. I can't believe how so far off we both were about this movie. <laughs> About the it's a fantastic Cameron? movie, by the way. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It's a really, really fantastic movie. And in a lot of ways, hits a lot of the same points. It's just a little bit different because it's from the point of view of, of a white screenwriter. Yeah. And a white director. Yeah. And a white woman's experience. Yes, the protagonist is white. You know, uh, but just to be accurate i mean it hits it it hits a lot of the similar similar themes it just doesn't hit them as well or yeah. as accurately you know yeah and it, it's not as much of a spotlight on these themes as the new one is the new one is a fucking film yes, yes. capital f film it I, is 100 100% agree yes and i mean nia da costa is made an amazing film yes now and it it punches hard i don't know and i don't think the intention was for it to be a real horror film i mean it's horrific and the thematic elements are horrific but they're 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 a reflection of reality. Whereas the old film is a tried and true horror film that that leans on kind of horrific reality a little bit and then brings brings in the supernatural as the horror element. And the new one kind of flips the script where the horror, the supernatural stuff is is there almost as a distraction, as a MacGuffin. And the real horror are the the is the horrific reflection of reality. Dude, that's a wonderful um, analysis um, because you're right. The first one is a horror movie leaning on reality, whereas the second one is more leaning on the reality with with the horror element kind of as dressing. Yeah, right. It's, um, what a, that's a great thought i never even thought of that um that's amazing um but like speaking of horror elements the world's biggest hairy gross spider just crawled out of my lamp and it's just <laughs> sitting there looking at me right now yeah. just eyeballing me i mean at least it wasn't like a swarm of bees yes like in the movie coming out at me <laughs> yeah he's just looking at me flicking his little pincers yeah yeah. Uh, so so I kind of uh, want to watch him because yeah, who knows what he's going to do. Well, <laughs> maybe you should kill it before you before he kills you. We'll give it some time. All right. Um, spoken like a true caveman. Yeah, <laughs> kill it first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to kill it first. So, oh, um, so you seem to have been triggered. Do we do we need to discuss your traumas? Uh, do I need to dive into that. Uh, yeah. Um, when when I was a baby, 
I, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. You got nothing. <laughs> I got nothing. There's, <clears throat> I, can't, I can't remember that far. But anyway, speaking of babies, um, so one of the things that I picked up, I didn't realize, was that the mom in the first Candyman movie is the same. Is mom, the same actress. Yes. The same actress. Yeah. In the new movie. Yeah. And goddamn, she looks good for her age. Like I yeah. don't know what she did. I don't know if she like ziplocked herself at night every night for 20 years or what but she looks amazing yeah she, she yeah. doesn't look her age i don't know how old she is she, she i think she what she's like 70 or 60 or something oh she i don't know let me she, here, let ridiculous. me let me look that's uh it's ridiculous uh, vanessa she looks williams awesome. she looks amazing vanessa never... williams but uh let's see how old is she? she was born in 1963 so uh None of us, neither of us are very good at math, are we? No, no. That's why we do podcasts. <laughs> that's why we're not mathematicians. I was waiting for you to answer. So I, didn't to... <laughs> I didn't want you to put me on the spot with the math. I'm like, I can't do this math. Don't make me do math. Motherfucker. She's, she's on the edge of 60. Yeah. yeah. She's in her late 50s. She yeah. looks amazing. She looks yeah, amazing. Yeah, she really did. She looked. Um, uh, it was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was an emotional film. Yes. You know, Candyman's, the, the, the new one is, is an emotional film because just, well, along the same lines as Get Out, you know, it, it goes, it uses these allegories that kind of break through and, and just make you understand what the perspective must be, what, you know, um, it, 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 it kind of hits it obliquely as opposed to directly. And, and by doing so you can kind of identify a little bit more closely with like, like I will never understand what it's not, what it's like to not be a white man. Yeah. You know, in America, that's not something I will ever understand because I've never experienced it. And there's no experience that I could have that would really come anywhere near what what being black in America is all about, you know. But by using the allegories that they use in this movie and 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 using the hor the supernatural horror aspect, just like they did in Get Out, like using the horror aspect of it to kind of create this allegory somehow, some way makes it understandable for my caveman brain. So or, or if not understandable, makes it to a point where it's like, okay, I think I, I, I kind of get the perspective now to a degree. So there are some things that, um, well, first off, like it, it's you know uh, who's who's involved. It, it's key. Uh, key and Peel are involved in this movie, right? So that well, uh, I think it's Michael, <clears throat> Michael or who's uh, Jordan Peel. Jordan Peel is an executive producer and probably I right. believe had a hand in writing the, this piece and also had you know probably had a lot of story points. But that's not to diminish any of the influence that Nia DaCosta probably had on the on the movie because from my understanding she's probably she's 
she's a pretty good director herself. Well, I, I would imagine that yeah. we're seeing a lot more of her vision than anybody else's. Yeah. So, um, so in the original Candyman, um, there, let's talk about some of the things that really kind of um, opened my eyes or opened our eyes in terms of like, okay, these are the these are like the everyday occurrences that are horrific, horrific for uh, people of color, or specifically in this case, uh, you know, Black Americans in the United States. So, like, mm -hmm. Candyman, the horrific part of it is for me when watching the the two women walk into Cabrini Green, right, walk into this building. And now we're talking about the 1992. I'm talking about the first yeah. one, right? Yeah. And, and I'm going to compare it to the to the to the sec, to the new one. So in the first one, they're walking into Cabrini Green. You have Helen. I forget her name. Uh, Helen Lynch. Yeah. And so she she walks into this building. Or Helen Lyle. Helen Lyle. Lyle. There you go. Bad. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It started with an with name. with her uh, friend and coworker uh, co coworker co co. Um, researcher they're yes. they're graduate students at uic yes and or university uh, of chicago university uic oh, specifically yeah. uic uic okay yeah because it was uh, they do all those those beautiful like helicopter shots yes where they're walking across the campus and uic used to have that kind of certain well it was it used to be called uh university university of illinois Chicago, uh, Circle Campus, Chicago, mm -hmm. UICC. Yeah. And the, like the central element of the campus was this sunken amphitheater sort of thing that was a big circle. And you have that beautiful helicopter shot as she's the, it, it kind of opening because the opening is they have, your, you know, you're coming into the city and then you see that they're following her car and then she gets out of the car and she's walking across the campus. It is a huge like, oh, my God, I remember that's when it used to look like that for me, yeah. you know, like, oh, this is my childhood we're looking at. And uh, but anyway. like, but like so uh, and I want to talk about some of those overhead shots mm -hmm. in a sec here. But like one of the things like you're going into this building and I don't know what for me, I never was ever entered in one, any one of those buildings. I've seen them plenty, you know, especially yeah. growing up. I remember them, you know. But I never realized how horrifically awful it is in there. Like, I don't know. At Cabrini? At Cabrini. I yeah. mean, I like people live there. And, yeah. and, and that's the situation they live in, where there's, you know, gangs hanging out in the front, harassing people on the way in. Yeah. The one woman, the, the mother of that child, um, Mick, I can't remember, Mick, McBride, was it? I can't remember what her name was. It was like, uh, but anyway, she she um she was she lived with a dog she had like this ferocious oh you're dog. talking about vanessa williams uh Anne marie uh Anne marie Mc mccoy mccoy there you go mccoy yeah yeah An because her son is anthony mccoy anthony mccoy that's right yeah. so like she lives with a dog a ferocious dog that she yeah. like peeks out into the hallway with in case there's anybody hanging out like and she does it like almost as a preemptive like defensive active act yeah when she hears people in the hallway she just jumps out with the dog and the dog scares the shit out of people right yeah but like then 
you know, these two women are going throughout the, you know, looking for information on the folklore of candy. Yeah. And they're being pretty bold. They're pretty and pretty. Yes. Pretty bold. Pretty bold. Uh, And also, like, I I found it striking their their wardrobe choice. Yes. For going into Cabrini Green. Uh, They were like dressed to the nines, man. And they, they were they were really really well dressed and there was a comment there was a conversation about this in the car before they got there as to why they dressed this way and they said and, and helen lyle's uh opinion was that they think that they were cops uh-huh. you know which i was like i don't think they would ever think that they would th- i think they would think that you are you know bait for robbing you know like they totally fucking rob you but yeah anyway and, uh, and not that i have any kind of experience wandering around the projects like i got i got lost a handful of times in the taylor homes yeah. <laughs> those are stories for different days yeah and it you know nothing ever happened to me so like i can't i can't say anything right mm-hmm. but i i almost feel like and again i don't know like cabrini green was notorious supposed to it, as far as any of us knew like this is literally the most notorious worst housing projects in the country at the time. Yeah. Like that's the reputation that Cabrini Green had. And, you know, I'm as an adult, I'm watching this and I'm watching these two young women just boldly and brazenly just walking through these projects. And the thing that I think is, you know, my first reaction is, the criminal element would be smarter than to mess with them because the last thing they need is, uh, you know, two young grad student women showing up dead in the projects. Yeah. So you, you, you almost would think like they're just going to get left alone because believe it or not, criminals aren't that stupid. They would, but, I would but agree again, this is from the perspective of somebody who's not a criminal, didn't live that way, never has lived that way. And I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. Like, I don't know what it's like. And I don't. Correction. I, don't want- I have been a criminal, just not that kind of criminal. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't, I, 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 I don't know what it's like. I don't want to ever find out, but it's crazy. Cause uh, to think that there are people who live like that. And that that part of it frightened me more than the Candyman in the beginning yeah. of the movie because Candyman took a while to come out, right? Like there was there was oh yeah, it took him a lot a long time to introduce that character before he was out and walking around and spooking you know and scaring the crap out of people. Um, but there's that whole scene where she goes into that abandoned room where uh supposedly there was a crime that happened that killed where uh candy man killed someone right yeah and she she climbs through the bathroom mirror which is something that she realized is true for all those buildings is that if you remove the the the, the case that's like the bathroom yeah. mirror there's you can no get into the walls. You yeah. can get into the wall to the next to the next apartment. And so she she went into the one apartment, removed the mirror, walked then figured out that that first mirror was that the mirror behind that mirror was gone, which 
is what they theorized how this person may the person that killed somebody may have come in because at this point they're still thinking Candyman isn't the real thing yeah so then she removes the mirror climbs through the through the hole into the next apartment and then walks out of the mouth of a mural of Candyman. yeah right which is like like what are you trying to say because a lot of the imagery that they use for Candyman is that he's kind of He's almost like a hive for bees, right? So bees are yeah. coming out of him. All these things are coming out. So then, and it's like foreshadowing because yes. she comes out of his mouth. She's like birthed out of his mouth. Yes. In that mural. And by the end of the movie, she takes his place. Yes. So it's almost like saying that she, it's almost like saying there's something about folklore and her speaking to um about Candyman gave you know made her made her come out of Candyman. Yeah. You know, kind of yeah. like there's there, there's a they're doing something metaphorically there. And, and and it's it's related to to how folklore is being passed on, you know, yeah. as word of mouth. And somehow she's coming out of the mouth. So there, there's something up because at the end of this movie, of course, we all know that she becomes uh, 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 an entity similar to Candyman, right? Yeah. But now that is the frightening piece. More than anything is what struck me about that movie. And I remember now why it terrified me so much, which is funny because I don't remember this movie at all. I couldn't remember any of it. It was like watching the movie all over again. It was weird. Yeah. But then, but then in this, in this new movie, um, they don't do as much of that kind of stuff there they he because part of what they did was and i think you made this point is you know chicago's done a really good job of making us think the projects are gone yeah yeah that was the first thing that it hit me like a sledgehammer because in the new candy man and fairly early on so um Anthony McCoy, who, you know, we find out later, was the baby that got abducted by the Candyman. Is he's an artist and he's trying to come up with a new installation, new idea for new art, new installation, and he gets turned on to this Candyman myth, and he goes down to, uh, well, he he goes down to the row houses, the Cabrini, the, um, the Cabrini road, road, sorry, the Cabrini row houses, which are still standing. And that was, you know, shot on location. And I mean, if, if you listen to city hall, if you listen to the way that people talk about people in authority, talk about Cabrini green, you'd think it was erased off the face of the earth 30 years ago. Or, or, or 15 years ago or how many years ago that it's gone. Well, the towers are gone, but those low rise, those row houses are all there. They're not necessarily all still standing, but you can go on Google maps right now and get an up to the date satellite image. They're all there. They're still there. And, and people are still living in some of them. Now in my, in, from my memory, um, and I could be wrong. So like, like uh people who are listening you guys can definitely check on this 
but I think the 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 homes on Taylor, over like by the Italian village, I think it's called. Like I think that area, those those homes are gone. I think it's yeah, the ones that were down like uh like like Thirty Fifth Street, in like Taylor. and Taylor, yeah. yeah. So like, and that was the biggest, like Ashland and Taylor, like over there, or or is it Loomis? It's over there. Well, n- not all that far mm-hmm. from uh, Sox Park. Yeah, you know. Uh, so, so then there's also there's also uh, I think where they shot this movie, and I'm not 100 percent sure. I think where they shot this movie is the row houses uh, over by Cook County Jail. So I haven't looked into it. It's possible, mm-hmm. but you know, after I, after I watched this movie and I mean, I'm looking at the street signs and it's fucking right there and locust and you know, Oh, you it looks, it, it looks like it. And like, I didn't drive down there, mm-hmm. but the, like I got out of this movie and you know, I'm looking at Google maps and like, Holy shit, those buildings are still there. That's fucking crazy. And so I, I'm tempted to believe that that it was shot there. But and, and then, you know, I went down the rabbit hole looking into the history of that neighborhood, you know, and, and it's bizarre, right? Because we're talking about Chicago, people who may or may not be from Chicago. You know, everybody thinks about Chicago and they're like, oh, the south side and the west side. That's where all the shit happens. That's where all the everything bad is, you know, Mm -hmm. this is near North side, like, right. And, you know, both movies make a big point of this, but it's this little pocket of terror surrounded by the best neighborhoods in the city, the most expensive real estate that exists in Chicago, you know? And that's one of the reasons why, you know, the city worked so hard to, to bring the towers down. And it's like why I find it, it so shocking to find out that those those row houses are still standing is just because like. As far as I knew, they were gone as far as that's the story. That is the story that you hear. It's so, gone. It's been erased and they're still there and they're still there. But like I, I went down this little rabbit hole and studying the whole history of that neighborhood. And as long as there has been a Chicago, that has been a terrifying place. Yeah. One of the things that um, and see, the funny thing is, is that you mentioned basically regentrification, right? This is like like they, they, they introduce, you know, artists and whatnot. And, and, and this is the part that doesn't terrify me as much as just disgusts me right they introduce uh uh you know some white people in 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 some instilla- in some instances what they kind of basically illustrate in the movies is that they use artists and other people who are willing to live in that in that in those areas so that they can bring up the 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 neighborhood to bring up the cost of the neighborhood and then move right. out the elements that they don't want rather than better the people they right. move. They move the people out, and yeah. make the neighborhood better and prettier to move in. People and more expensive. And more yeah. expensive to bring in the people they want. And they use. Yeah. And one of the and one of the points that they made in the movie is that they use artists, right? And uh, but I guess the ar- argument is too is is that artists bring you know bring the culture. They 
they they are the especially in these neighborhoods you know and well yeah sometimes they bring culture sometimes they rewrite the culture and they they erase what was there before and that's just it and right? there because there are plenty of neighborhoods in chicago that are like that look at logan square look at wicker park look you at know? Wilson. look at look at wrigleyville frankly yeah. you know like when we were kids when you and i were kids in the 80s wrigleyville was not a nice place it i mean it wasn't like the worst place that chicago had to offer but it was not it was it was not like expensive prime real estate, you know, it wasn't what it is now, which is the nightlife and, you know, whatever. Um, but like, I mean, we've in our own lifetimes and we're not that old. Yeah. Look at Pilsen. Yeah. There are um, neighborhoods that have been basically erased and, and completely rewritten into something completely new. Yeah. Pilsen is still kind of changing, but one of the things that they leaned on is, is that Pilsen has always been a very kind of uh, artistic area. You know, yeah. they've, they've always had a lot of art. The S- similar to there. like Greenwich Village in New York. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know Greenwich, but like I could tell you, like, you know, Pilsen has beautiful murals, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, lots of like little cultural, like uh, aesthetic you know, icons throughout the, throughout the town of, or the borough of, of Pilsen. And they've almost kind of leaned into that part of it to bring in more artists. Cause Pilsen also, one of the things they had was galleries, right? Yeah. Uh, I haven't been to a gallery ever, but uh, I have actually, but like, it's just, um, now I could see them using, the galleries and the artists and and just you know white people to kind of bring up the area leaning on the artistic nature of that neighborhood and kind of like you said using the art to rewrite the neighborhood yeah Um, that is one of it's not a point of horror for me it's it's a point of disgust yeah but the other the other things that kind of horrify me about this movie is not so much like the visuals as much as the thought of the problems with because not to jump to the end but in the end of the movie we find out that the laundromat the laundromat owner is kind of trying to invoke a candy man he's trying to restore candy man yes and in doing so uh kind of commits one of the atrocities that these neighborhoods always kind of go through is, which is black on black crime, mm-hmm. right? For his own gain, he's he's committing basically one of the sins of 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 a culture like this. Because I mean, you know, I I I I've spoken to a friend of mine who's Chinese. I have a I have a you know I know this. One of the things that these cultures say is nobody screws you over worse than your own person than your own people. And and that's kind of true for blacks. It's true for Mexicans, and and apparently it's true for Chinese. So I think a lot of these cultures that are now kind of transplanted and live here in the United States have this belief because it's it's easy to take advantage of someone you kind of know versus someone you don't know. Right? If you don't know the culture, you don't know how to take advantage of it. 
And that's, I think, what happens here is, is like, yeah, you're comfortable I mean, screwing over the person that looks like you, which is <laughs> fucked up. I kind of read that a little differently uh, because they go they go through the explanation of the Candyman and who mm-hmm. who who the Candyman is, and, you know, yes. going back to you know the original. Um, oh, what was what was uh, the original was name of the Candyman? Original name of the Candyman. Oh, man. Uh, you know I, what? I wrote it down and I can't remember. Yeah, I I wish I could. The Tony Todd character. The Tony Todd character, but they in the new movie they go through all the, all the history of of you know the Candyman and and basically the Candyman kind of reanimates every time there there's some sort of horrific sort of basically lynching that happens in in the neighborhood and they, they, they bring up several examples of, you know, um, uh, young black men who got basically lynched or killed by, you know, police or whatnot. And then the candy man is, is kind of like their revenge on kind of, on the 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 embodiment of the horror of that experience and the embodiment of the horror and 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 an an opportunity to exact vengeance on uh, basically white society like i don't want to say it like that because i don't i don't i don't know but like i I don't want to sound ignorant well it's not you're, you're, I know what you're trying to say. It's it's the embodiment of of the anger of of black people, but it doesn't always seem directed at at opposition or the opposition that you would think. Because sometimes Candyman takes advantage of its own people, right? In the so, movies, for sure. Yeah, yeah. in both right. in, in in the two movies that we're speaking of, I'm for sure. Like he he's killed black people too. Yeah, and and he abducts a black a baby. Baby. Yeah. yeah. But he abducts the baby to become the next Candyman. Yeah. So that's, you know. And to your point. And then Helen point. takes the baby's place oh. in, in the original. So here's a thought that I had when the movie, the first movie, uh, when, I, when I saw the last movie that I had that I didn't realize happened in the first movie. The one woman is in the backseat of the car after the murder of yeah uh, after the police lynch the candy man or you know anthony mick mccoy mccoy so they lynch anthony mccoy basically or not lynch but they go in and they shoot anthony mccoy which is one of the themes that they they, and they don't even and i mean they they basically bust through the door and just start shooting yeah which is one of the horrors that 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 actually I wanted to talk about was is like there are things like that that they talk about commentary on what on 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 what black people are experiencing now like police brutality and stuff like this because i mean you've we've all heard the story where you know woman and her husband are sitting or sleeping in bed and then the swat team breaks through and shoots both of them yeah right so uh this is brianna taylor you know brianna taylor so this is this kind of a, a take almost on this story right she's crying for help she's like yeah. straight up crying for help 
And then the cops come in, shoot, shoot the guy, shoot Anthony, shoot the guy, arrest her and and arrest her, put her in the back of the seat. And then she asks while she's in the back seat to, to allow to be looked in the mirror. And then she would say whatever the cop wants to say, because the cop is kind of leading her to tell a different story. Yeah. Forcing her to say this. He's coercing her to, to tell a version that justifies the shooting yes. and means less paperwork. Exactly. Yeah. So then he sit. So she's sitting in the car and she starts saying Candyman, but she says Candyman four times. And then the cop says Candyman the fifth time. And then Candyman shows up and kills everybody else. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The same thing happened in the first movie where. Yeah. You know, the one yeah. person said Candyman four times, and then the 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 last person finished it. Yeah, I think it was the scene with the with the couple with the with the babysitter couple. Yeah, right. It was the first scene. I'm like, holy shit, they did this before. So like, so long as you're present, when you're the, part of it, you're part yeah. of it. Yeah, which is interesting. Because you don't have to be the one doing all the work. You just right. have to be there. You just and, have to be there. And, you, yeah. and you're held accountable. You could be the victim. And the yeah. other person can get away. Well, and I mean, maybe that, that may be kind of one of the, the implicit points of both of these films. Far more on the second one. Because, again, there's the difference between one of these is a horror movie and one of these is a film that's horrific. Yeah. You know? But I think one thing that's probably very easy to miss, and I don't know if this is intentional or if this is just something that I walked away thinking, is that as the, this whole situation, the whole um, racial tension and racial situation, and I shouldn't even say racial, like the racist institutionalism of the country we're all victims in one way or another. And definitely people of color bear the brunt of that far more, but the whole country, I'm not, I don't mean to say like white people are victims. I mean, like the whole country, everybody that's part of this culture and is part of this society is a victim of how this all plays out. We all are. And so we're all complicit in, you know? Yes. And so we're or not complicit. We're all accountable. Yes. To one degree or another, we should all be held accountable. And I felt like that was part of what the movie was saying, that we are all accountable. That's a great And when you have those little things like that, where she says it four times and then he, the cop says it the fifth time and then boom, you know, it, it, it's a very subtle, like everybody is accountable in this situation. Yeah. To a degree, you know. And it's also like, especially in the second movie or in, in the latest movie, it's like, it's like what they're doing with the, what the cops are doing. The cops are, are, are doing this horrific thing and making somebody else the fall guy. Yeah. And the woman in the car was flipping it on them. She was doing the horrific thing. And then making them pay for it. Yeah. And she did that with the four counts of the, the candy man and him doing the candy man the fifth time. Mm-hmm. 
dude. Wow. What a great point. That's and then at point. the at the very end, the last line of the movie, tell everyone, you know, tell it, everyone. It's uh, again, this this is a film, man. It's it's uh, a work of art and beautifully, beautifully done. Yeah, there's so there's a lot of points in this movie. Um, a lot of little little nods, little hidden things that I saw. Like for example, uh, in the beginning of the movie, or when I think towards the beginning of the first act, when he meets the the man from the laundromat, and they're talking about, you know, oh, he just goes around and fixes things and stuff, or he's going back to the laundromat to fix stuff. You know, uh, Anthony McCoy goes, you need a hand? Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, I see what you did there. I see I see what you did there. That's clever. That's clever. And they did a lot of that kind of stuff. There was a lot yeah. of that. They said a lot of things like that. And I was just like, oh, yeah. A lot you're, of, saying, you're saying he's Candyman. I get it. Subtle <laughs> little things. Yeah. Yeah. But that yep. was interesting because not only is Candyman missing a hand, but this man takes the hand from him. Because he needs it yeah. to make him a candy man. <laughs> yep. You know? So, yeah. But there's also like the, I love the idea that you said, basically uh, saying that, and I had this thought, candy man is a phenomenon, right? Given the, 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 the right, the right uh, scenario or the right kind of things being present, you can create a candy man. And that's what, the, laundry, the laundromat man knew, and that's what he was trying to yep. do. That's why he's yep. the true villain of the story. He is, he is, I mean, there's plenty of antagonists in the movie, but he is the true villain because he is on purpose sacrificing a person, yeah. a black yeah. person, one of his own, to create a monster for his personal uh you know uh self-righteous thoughts or ideas well like it's it's not for his own benefit it's just he's come up with this sort of insane idea this is his mission yes to bring back the candy man yes and it's it's crazy uh it's 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 amazing and uh i it's it's funny because i was having this conversation with rick gabble about about this scenario that how he is conjuring he's essentially summoning he's making his own candy man yep and and he's like well i've seen this before and i'm like you have and he's like dude i've seen 100 movies you know 100 horror <laughs> movies you know like thousands he's just like I, well, I he didn't say thousands but he's in, i've seen a lot of horror movies this is not the first time i've seen something like this it, he yep. he felt that not that, for nothing do you know what this movie had that the it? conjuring didn't was that a conjuring. <laughs> Dork. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're absolutely right. There was a conjuring. Hey, mm. by a by a pseudo witch doctor, yes. This brief interruption is to let you know that if you're looking for a hosting service for your website, Bluehost is the way to go. They're super dependable. They're the service I use for the Flow Roll podcast. I love them. Never had an issue. Super easy to use. Very dependable. 
I highly recommend them. If you head on over to Bluehost, make sure you use my referral link in the description. Bluehost, hosting made easy. Also, if you're digging the music that you're listening to, you can find this and more at Epidemic Sound. They have a wide selection of awesome music that you can use. I love using the Latin and the hip hop music that you can find at Epidemic Sound, but they have a wide array of all kinds of awesome music. Should you decide to go over to Epidemic Sound, make sure you use my referral link in the description. Now, on with the show. But um, anyway, so like, uh, so yeah, he was not, he, he and, and this is, I think, one of the reasons uh, some people say that the third act kind of falls apart, right? I didn't have that problem. It got no. a little com- convoluted for me. It was a little confused. It gets pretty heady, man. Yeah. It gets pretty heady because it's dealing with really heavy stuff. Yeah. It is a heavy, heavy movie. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make, and you know, I didn't feel particularly wonderful about myself walking out of that movie, you know? Oh, I, I, I did not expect to watch a film. I went to go see a horror movie. That's what yeah. I went. I was going to go. I was ready to be scared. I, did, I, I was too busy thinking about, oh, wait a minute. This means something. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, what? You know, like, and so, oh, one of the, yeah. one of the other things I wanted to talk about is how you said that overhead shot, right? There are parallels between the, the, the two beginnings of the movie because the first movie, you have the overhead shot of the drone flying around or they didn't have drones in 1990, whatever, uh, 92. But you know, probably a helicopter flying yeah. around the city, taking all these aerial shots. Yeah. Now in the, in the new one, they did the same thing, these wide shots of buildings, but from, from the bottom, bottom yeah. going into a cloudy sky and then they and, flipped and it, was it upside down. Because it was, you're looking at it in a mirror. Yes. You're, and, because and you you're, notice, you're seeing the mirror world. And if you notice before even that, the titles in the beginning were of the movie backwards were, and were it backwards. was driving me nuts, dude. It, it was, was driving me nuts. I was, I was very close to like getting up and going, I'm like, guys, you, you got that film in <laughs> like backwards. And my girlfriend was like, it's cause it's in a mirror. And I was like, well, now I feel stupid. <laughs> don't, now don't I feel, feel stupid. Don't feel bad. I actually had to say the same thing to, to Rick. And Rick loves these movies. So like mm-hmm. he, he couldn't mm-hmm. remember the fact that the you know, mirror is part of this thing. But like, yeah, there, there, was, there was that kind of stuff. But dude, like, like uh, so again, too, yes, it's the top of the buildings, but you were looking at them from upside down. And there was these clouds. So the clouds were at the bottom instead of the yeah. top where they're supposed to be. Yep. And you couldn't tell what was up. From, or down or down yeah yeah and and for me it was it felt a little otherworldly it felt like like a fantasy like a fantasy world we're in this yep. mythical place where buildings come out of clouds but rick who was there said that it was disorienting there was he felt um kind of i can't remember what he said exactly but basically kind of like like he had um he, he he just felt unbalanced, you know, like he was gonna fall over almost. Mm-hmm. And and I I had that too, that feeling, but I, I couldn't I I I was more kind of loving the visual. Yeah. Well it was a beautiful I, visual. The whole movie from beginning to end, every bit of it 
is designed to disorient you. Yes. And it's, it's really in your face right off the bat with the, that kind of mirror image of the, of the cityscape, you know, that it's designed to be disorienting. You should, you should feel disoriented. And then the, them, the thematic elements over and over the, the writing of it, the, the things that happen, the whole movie is, is constructed to be disorienting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, and if, if especially just on the basis of those kind of paper cutout animated sequences, the, uh, that's beautiful. The exposition sequences. Yes. Were, were absolutely gorgeous. They were, were amazing. Yes. Um, I loved it. it. I loved yeah. all those little themes, those paper cutout that that puppetry stuff was beautiful. That and there's there is a lot of visual visually beautiful things. Yes. In this movie. I mean from from that opening sequence with the buildings to the to the paper cutout things to that weird installation in the in the gallery where you open the yeah. you open the mirror and you look into what's basically Candyman land, you know? Yeah. And and it looked wonderful, but I was like, don't show me anymore. I don't want to see any of that motherfucking shit. And thankfully, yeah. they closed it right away. I was like, thank God, because I don't want to look in there. I Fuck yeah. that shit. I don't want to see what's going on in the mind of Candyman. Fuck that. Yeah, you know? right. Yep. You know, uh, but, uh, but like, I, again, the, the idea that someone can become a Candyman, that there, that there were like And that five, there have been multiple, yeah, and yes. yeah. That there have been I, several multiple, uh, like Candyman over the years. That shit is chilling. But it, yeah. it, it's, it's again, it speaks to the, 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 the black, you know, American experience that they, they, are been, they have been treated unfairly time and time again. Yeah. And they've been victimized. Marginalized and, and victimized. And, and yes. And it and is and it's and, and it doesn't seem like it's gonna stop, right? Yeah, and that's the horror ass. That that's the horror ass. <laughs> that's the horror aspect of the film. That's what's horrific. Is that it, it, this is this is a repetitious cycle, and it's it's something that a huge percentage of the population of this country that's their life you know maybe and no not just because you're black doesn't mean that you grew up in the projects or that you grew up poor or that you grew up with crime but it does mean that you are automatically treated differently and categorized differently and experience a, a different version of opportunity Absolutely. You know, and that's that's an ever present part of your existence. And, um, and it and one of the points that the movie makes by continually allowing a new Candyman to be made is that this situation doesn't seem like it's going to go away. Right. It's this it's a cycle it's a that, cycle. you know, it, it, it just keeps repeating. And, and I felt like that was like explicit. That was the exact point that the movie was making is that 
they're they're no stride is big enough, you know, because and that's kind of in a convoluted way when I was talking about like as a culture, as a society, we're all accountable for this was in a, in a convoluted way. That's that's kind of what I was trying to drive at is until we get to a point where we don't even have to have the conversation around, well, what's the black experience in America versus the white experience in America and versus the Asian American experience versus as it goes on, you know, until we're capable of, of having conversations, serious, not ridiculous, abstract conversations, serious conversations about, well, why can't all Americans have the same experience? You know, why, why can't we dole out opportunity a little bit more responsibly? You know, why can't, why can't we, you know, we have, there, there is more than enough money in this world to make sure that everybody is, is treated equitably. You know, there's more than enough, not just, there's more than enough of everything, you know, that what, you know, why do we, why is it so intrinsic in our culture to punch down, to, to marginalize and victimize and, you know, make somebody else the other. Yeah. And until we can get to a point where, well, we're not talking about the other anymore. And we don't have a significant culture, co-culture in this, in this country that is there specifically to be punched down upon. You know, I I'm, feel like I'm babbling right now. I have no idea if I'm making cogent or salient points. I feel like I am, but I often feel like I, I think I'm way smarter than I am. So. <laughs> no, I get I get exactly what you're saying, and I'm trying to let you get there, but I know what you're saying. Like, these are hard things to verbalize, you know, which is why you have movies like this. There's, there's there are things that words can't accomplish. Yeah, and 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 a medium like a movie or a film can do the speaking for us. Yeah, it can be more experiential. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's uh what an amazing movie. This movie, this movie like it, I I think one of the reasons and I don't want to like diminish the the how good this movie is, but I think one of the reasons it really it really kind of struck me was this because it's way better than I anticipated. It was it's much more than why I, what I expected. Um, yeah. And I don't have the problems some of the people are having again with the third act. Uh, and I, you know, I haven't gone, I haven't read any reviews of the movie. I haven't read any think pieces about it or anything like that, just because I, I want to avoid it and I want to do my best to soak it in on my own mm -hmm. before I start looking at what other probably smarter or at the very least louder people have to say about it but what what are some of the things that you're here you're you've been reading about the third act because well, you, you brought that, it up a couple I, i've times. done i've done similar stuff like i've i've basically listened to spoiler free reviews uh -huh. and and the and the issues that they've brought up was the fact that the third art the, the third act is a problem 
but they didn't like because I I listened to spoiler free reviews. Um, they didn't tell me what the issue was. They just told me it was a fantastic movie. You should go check it out. That kind of deal. Okay. I, I but I they didn't I I didn't get that it was such a good movie. Like I didn't realize it was doing such a such a good job of of some of the some of the points that we're talking about. Uh, it, it it that part of it. Thankfully, because I didn't listen, I didn't listen to anything or read anything that had to do with the plot. Was so goddamn refreshing. Yeah, dude, I've been. I mean, I love these movies. I love Marvel movies, but you know, they're action movies. Right? Yeah, and and sometimes I go and you know, it's escapism. I show I show up and I turn my brain off and I'm like, yeah. ooh, look at the pretty lights. Yeah, this one. I did not expect this, and I was pleasantly surprised. Also horrified, yeah. But, <laughs> but surprised at what a good movie it is. Um, but it's just uh, the like everything from the makeup to the art that they were the creating was so so well done. Because like you look at the art, right? And and in the beginning, I remember looking at at the stuff, and I'm like, "He's making money off of that shit." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I can poop better crap than that, you know? Harsh, man, harsh. Well, I mean, it was just like I'm like, I, I was I was like judging the film on the art too. I was just like, "Wait a minute, you gave me that beautiful art, artistic opening." That was so interesting. Oh, and then there's the scene where he's talking to the the gallery owner or the the gallery guy. This like uh, like hipster white dude guy. Yeah, scum sucker. Who gives him who gives him this like lecture about you know how come you're not your art's not really speaking to the authentic black experience, man? It's too on the nose and. Jesus, dude. And I understand the movie was doing that as making a point. It's yeah. making a point about wh whatever you want to say, you know, but like white gatekeeperism and, and white privilege. And, but like, who the fuck are you, man? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's also like, again, uh, uh, again, kind of what you're saying, like white gate, white uh, gatekeeperism, but also like, like there's the once again a white man taking advantage of of a person yes, of color, right? In this case, yeah, a black person. So there's there's that aspect of it, and he's also he's a scumbag, right? So yeah, he's, he's clearly sleeping, a scumbag. He's yeah. sleeping with like but everybody kids. in this movie. Well, almost every all of the tertiary characters in this movie are awful. Yeah, well, in, he, in this new that, Candyman, they're awful people. Yeah. Yeah, they're all they're all like bad people, but like if you notice too, okay, so there's don't let me now that me. that's another parallel with the original movie. Was that with with the original Candyman? Everybody who wasn't Helen and wasn't Bernadette, everybody else in the movie was awful. What about all the of the other people were awful? What about what about Anne Marie McCoy? Okay, well she she wasn't awful. Yeah. I mean, she was a victim. Oh, one thing that I wanted to say too is, is like in the first movie, Candyman's like be my victim. Yes, right. Which is interesting. I still can't. That was that really twisted me up because again, that's something I didn't remember, but that made it so much more creepy. Mm -hmm. He's using that specific language, be my victim. 
you know, like, wow. Yeah, like he wants her to make the choice mm-hmm. to become a victim. It's weird. And I can't, I can't, I don't, I, I, I thought about it last night and I didn't get to finish the movie and I haven't had a chance to process it. So I still don't understand why he would say that. That that wasn't in this movie. I think he's I think it's specifically because when they wrote that movie, it was like, you know what would be a really creepy thing for for the 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 monster in this movie to say is be my victim. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't think I don't any- think there's anything deeper to it than that. Yeah. But I, I think the idea of of choosing to be a victim is also kind of See, that's where I think this is twisty and turny. That's for sure. Well, I think that's where like my interpretation, you see, and I might, and, and again, I might be looking into that movie a little harder than it needs to be. Cause I, I don't think that movie deserves as much attention as, the, <laughs> yeah, as I don't, I don't know that the original, the original Candyman deserves the same kind of analysis that we gave to Barry Gordy's the last dragon. <laughs> Barry Gordy's Last Dragon is a masterpiece. It is <laughs> a masterpiece. But uh, no, I, I do have to say, uh, the original movie was way better than I remembered it being. Mm-hmm. Um, way more, uh, in certain ways, transcends horror as a, as a medium. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still, it's a textbook horror movie. But it it goes in directions that you didn't expect to go, and there's a, it's very artistically shot. Uh, the music, I mean, it had a Philip Glass score, and the music was really, really well done. Yeah, you know, um, and uh, well made, well made horror film, you know. But the the new one just, I mean, it's so much better. It's it's such a different movie, and it comes at it from a different place with different goals and it achieves those goals. You know, it's uh... so again, given the analysis that this, this first movie doesn't deserve, um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, like that was written with like, again, like you said, the point of like, Oh, we, we need to have something scary, but it's, it's, it's not, it's written like I don't know who wrote it. Uh, I believe it's based on a Clive Barker uh, story or something. But with that said, you know why would someone yeah, choose Clive to be Barker. a victim? Someone wouldn't choose to be a victim. To choose to be a victim means you have options, right? Uh, people who are victims in real life, they, they victims, don't have the choice. They don't have the choice, especially in a marginalized community. What you're saying is, is that black people have a like the victims in that area or people who are victims of of Candyman have a choice to be a victim of Candyman. Are you saying that oh. of, of just the white people? Or are you saying that of all? <laughs> wow, the that is super deep. I Do you I understand what I'm saying. You see, I understand I what you're saying, but the only person he was asking that of was, was Helen. Helen. But that's because the Hel- Helen is supposed to be the eyes of the people watching the movie because that is the first person outside yeah. that community that is traveling in there. So it's our it's our opportunity to see what it's like to experience the candy man for 
for ourselves, right? Through the eyes yeah. of Helen, who is an outsider of that community. So is Candyman, again, so is Candyman asking that of Helen because Helen is white and Helen has the option to be a victim? Or is that just the experience that everyone has with Candyman and people who are dying by the hand or the hook are of Candyman given, are given the option and people are choosing to die because living in Cabrini Green or living as a black person is so awful they'd rather die. And, and there's no other option, you know, other than to die. Like, what are you fucking saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, I know Helen, exactly, man. And then on top I get of that, it. Like, I get And yes. Helen has the option. And even Helen having options because she's essentially well, an outsider. I guess what if she what if she just kept saying no? Yeah. What would have happened? What would have happened? Would she have not become a, a Candyman being monster thing? Or would she still be alive? Or would Candyman say, fuck it, I'm still going to take your ass? You know, like, like we don't know, you know, because we don't know what happened there. So I wonder, again, I wonder if that be my victim thing is really like am i am i i think i'm looking too hard into it because i don't I, think I, the writer is everything actually yeah i don't i don't <laughs> but it, see, that's the danger though because that's the danger though because then you're saying everybody that lives in those areas has a choice whether or not to live in those areas and if that's what you think you're a fucking asshole <laughs> yeah know? seriously yeah so so like that's my problem with him saying be my victim because you're saying people who are victimized have an option, and that is not fucking always true, right? That is not always fucking true. There are people who make stupid choices, granted. But there are people, there are a lot of people or a lot of situations you get into that you have no way of avoiding. And I'm positive people who lived in Caribbean Green didn't want to fucking live in Caribbean Green. And that's yeah, my if problem. If they had other options, they would have they exercised those options. Yeah. And then Candyman wouldn't have to ask be my victim, you know? Right. Because there wouldn't be a victim. These people would be, you know, upperly mobile. They would have choices. They wouldn't be stuck right. where they're at. They wouldn't be victimized. And that's my problem with that. Because then you're, you're, you have a perspective that's leaking into your movie and it's, it, it can get you in trouble, you know? Yeah. But that's yeah. my thought. And that's why it's important to have people of certain experiences write movies for that experience yeah so like this all black uh uh production crew from director to writer etc are are part of this you know are, are writing this this movie and have these experiences and if maybe not maybe they don't they never lived in, Ca in cabrini green but they have that experience they can speak to it um you didn't Candyman didn't use be my victim in this movie right yeah, you know? but one of the interesting things was when. But, you, but also, you, you, there wasn't much Candyman. No, because well, technically Anthony McCoy was Candyman our whole the yeah. whole time, and we were waiting for him to turn into Candyman. Yeah, right. Um, and so we, you know, the the handful of times where Candyman pops up. And, and kill somebody you, you know you barely see him and he doesn't have any lines mm -hmm. not until the very end not until the very end my big takeaway from 
rewatching the first movie was very different and far more shallow. <laughs> I, um, I think I look at shit too hard. <laughs> I think I do too. For the most part, I, I tend to read far, far too much into certain things. Just not with this, with, with the original Candyman. Yeah. My big takeaway was a little bit different. My big takeaway is I was watching that movie. I was fixated on, I, I don't know. So Bernard Rose was the man who directed the original mm-hmm. Candyman. I don't know if Bernard Rose had like a, a smoking fetish or something, but holy shit, the yes. Virginia Madsen cigarettes are like, another character in the movie (laughs) there was even there was one scene and it because by the time it popped up i was like why why are you spending so much and it's not like the way she smokes in this movie is not like just an affectation or something for for like atmosphere it's like a focal point yeah and there were at least two scenes where i'm watching the movie and the cherry at the end of her cigarette is the focal point of the seat. It is, as a matter of fact, there was one scene in particular where she's sitting They're They're at a restaurant, they're eating dinner and they're discussing the Candyman myth. And the focus, not literally, literally when I say the focal point, and I'm not talking about like, like this, the, the cherry on the cigarette is, the focal point around which the whole shot was, was, was framed, which it was, that's what was in focus, not her face, the cherry on the cigarette. And it like, as I'm watching, it it became so distracting for me because it's like, why, why are you spending so much time showing the way that, and it's not just, like I said, it wasn't like an affectation of the character or anything. Mm-hmm. It was like, no, clearly these scenes are being shot to depict the way in which she enjoys a cigarette. It was almost creepy. It was weird. I don't know why we would do that. I don't know why. But So you noticed it too. I absolutely noticed it, and I just talked it up to it being the 90s, and uh, we could still smoke in bars and stuff. I mean, she's smoking a cigarette in a classroom. You know, she's smoking a cigarette in a hospital. She's smoking everywhere. Yeah. And it's like those shots are composed around the way that she is smoking. It's bizarre and distracting. Yes. Yes, it is. Um and I don't know if that was done on purpose or if it's just life in the 90s. I think, I mean, I, I guess the one thing they wanted to do, because there was also one of the other things that, not, not that you bring up the dining scene, one of the, thing, the other things that was distracting to me was the, excuse me, was her drinking uh, the, little, the little martini glasses. And I remember thinking they're bringing a lot of attention to her mouth or just the stuff that she puts in her mouth. I don't know if it, maybe it had something to do because the movie relied on 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 the um, the mouth and the bees coming out of the mouth and well, there's, her coming out of his mouth in the mural there's that and and the fact that there's uh that part of what she does is is study folklore right and folklore is told oh, right? oh so geez. I, 
So I guess a wow, lot. Wow, that's deep, man. That's are you, deep. Are you are you fucking making fun of me? No, that's deep. <laughs> okay, just don't sure. be me. Don't do <laughs> don't do what I do. Don't do the thing where you automatically assume someone's being insincere when they say something <laughs> nice about you. No, okay. I mean that's deep. It didn't. It never occurred to me I, that they're studying urban myths and folklore that's the whole premise of the movie is that that's her research that's what she's studying and she's writing her thesis on is urban myths and folklore and so of course of course the movie is going to be shot in such a way that it, every scene revolves around an oral fixation holy shit yes that's exactly the point that's why she comes out of the mouth of the candy man mural right because it's it's oral it's a it's a story and stories are told orally in olden days you know so like you just blew my mind maybe that movie is better than we're giving it credit for maybe 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 bernard rose is a better director or or he's a creepy guy with an oral fixation and a smoking fetish maybe yeah i mean even even freud said you know sometimes a cigar is just a cigar because the other problem with this is that again that uh be my victim line is a problem for me because i don't know yeah what he means by it and a white director you know saying that black people have a choice in certain situations or or victims have a choice i should say not black people but victims have a choice in in, in situations it's kind of uh i don't know white privilege kind of shit <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um all right so that i don't know like i i could be just I, i'm also i could also be misreading it maybe there's something else in the movie that i missed because i didn't get to finish the movie right well so, you should finish it tonight i'm gonna finish it right after we're done here because man i've been dying to watch it i didn't get a chance to see it but yeah. um but like one of the things i wanted you to, to to clarify for me was in the in the latest version of the Candyman movie uh Anthony McCoy was was kidnapped by a Candyman, and then yeah. saved by Helen Lyle. Yeah, is that is that how that worked? I mean, yes. I do remember because yes. I do. I did see far enough where where Candyman was like basically feeding the baby blood. You know, like I yeah. remember that. I knew he abducted the baby, so like I know that part of it. I don't. I didn't remember Helen Lyle blacking out all the time. And then waking up at the fucking crack. Yeah, there was a lot of that movie that I didn't remember. There was a lot of that stuff that I was like, holy crap. Yeah. So she was already doing Candyman's work. Yep. You know, like she just. And, and it's just like, it. like one way that you could interpret the new movie is that Anthony McCoy is already doing Candyman's work because he's already primed as a baby. Mm-hmm. So he's already he's already on the road, whether he wants to be or not, whether his mom thought she was, he was saved or not. He's already gonna be the candy man. And so when he rediscovers the mythology and kind of reactivates it, and you know, he says it in the reflection in the mirror, he's kind of activated all of that. And, you know, one, you could interpret it as he's already, you know, the candy man, it may already be him. He he's the one doing all these killings. Yeah, because remember in the scene where he's with the uh, the critic. Yeah, 
who is spouting some really mean shit to him. Yep. And he gets pissed off because he's she's saying that he's a leash, a yeah. leech on society, essentially. That him yep. being an artist and living in these areas uh to help basically helps, you know, regentify an area, you know. But like like that's the comment that she made about artists. And so she, you know, so she says this crap to him and then at one point, he's like, why don't you go ahead and, you know, say Candyman five times yeah. in the mirror? And it's almost like, like he, like he says it, like, you know, I dare you, you know? And it's, it, it's like that scene I took, like, oh, he's killing her. Yeah. He's trying to kill her. Like, he knows that she's going to go in the mirror and she's going to, you know, and yep. she, she's going to say it and she's going to kill her. She's basically killing herself. But he's, he's putting that thought in her head, right? So the interesting thing that happens there is that she goes into the mirror she goes into the bathroom and we're we don't know but we later find out that it's true that she basically invoked candy yeah. man but while she's in the bathroom anthony mccoy is looking at himself in the mirror and he has the vision and he has the vision yeah. and he basically he sees himself as candy man yep so like yep. and he had and the, and it fucking terrifies him right yeah but it's crazy because you make the point that he has always been on that path that and again, not to talk about determinism, but it's like there's <laughs> no other choice for him. He was always going to be right. a monster. Right. And he's he's resigned to it at the end. And, I, you know, I, I yeah. was wondering while I'm watching that as he's being butchered by the laundromat man and he's just resigned to it. And I mean, you could you could look at that and, and watch it and think like, oh, he's in some kind of trance or yeah. he's in some kind of fugue state. Or he's just resigned to it. Yeah. And the and the commentary that I started wondering about is that like. Is that a commentary on. The black experience where. I mean, is, is that part of the black experience? Just feeling resigned to this is what it's going to be like. Yeah. We're always going to repeat this cycle. Yeah. And I'm just going to sit down and take it. I don't, I, again, I don't know. I have no frame of reference, but that's what that scene in particular started making me wonder. Cause he's just, he's resigned to it. He's letting it happen. And well, I don't, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like, I, I saw that too, and I'm like, why are you just sitting there? Punch the motherfucker, right? Like, mm -hmm. do something, do anything. And and he just let it happen. And it was like, I had the same thoughts. Is he in some kind of trance? Is he, you know, some kind of messed up state where he can't defend himself because he's mentally kind of not present or whatever, whatever is going on? I had the same impression. So I'm glad you brought that up because I was like, what is going on there? Why is he just letting this happen? And then, yeah, dude cuts his arm off. And then somehow this motherfucker has either the hook or a hook that looks a lot like it. Yeah. Sticks it in dude's arm. Yeah. Like, fuck. Yeah. You know? Like, like fuck. Like, that that scene was intense. Yeah. You know? Um, ugh, dude. It's so fucking crazy. But yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, um, fuck, dude. <laughs> I kind of, I, I may go see it again, just because. I mean, it's, it's genuinely too heavy for one sitting. Yeah. I there's too much there 
too much to unpack. There's a uh, lot. It's overwhelming. It really is. Yeah. Rick, Rick said, had the same thought. Rick said, I need to watch this movie again because there's so much more I need to unpack. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and there's a lot of those little things where he's like, you know, can I give you a hand? You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Cause he, he, he said that he said stuff like that over and over again. Yeah. But like, you're right. Going back to him killing the woman, he was always, even if it wasn't him, he was, he was, he was the monster. Yeah. He the monster it. was coming out of him. He, he released it yeah. just by discovering the story and looking into it and toying around with it. And that's, again, that mirrors the original film just by discovering it. He unleashes it. The difference is it's inside him and has been since he was a baby. Yeah. Oh man. Like, so I had, a, I had a couple of thoughts. One was, uh, again, Tulpas. <laughs> And I was sitting there thinking, like, fuck you. Like, you, you've given me the recipe to manifest a monster. A monster that's already kind of, you know, that you've made popular in, in you know, in the, in the kind of like the thought process of everybody who's watching this movie right now, right? So you're making this present in everybody's mind and now so you're giving you're giving the fuel you have the fuel you have enough brain power out there and now you can focus that brain power by repeating the incantation to create a monster right now is the monster a a, a real monster or are we creating a topa when we say the goddamn phrase over and over again I don't want well, to I'm not it. getting in front of a mirror and saying it anytime soon. I'm fucking not doing it either. <laughs> Fuck no. But oh, I'm, I'm manifested enough to topos upon myself. <laughs> no. Well, there's that. And then there's the other thought like, okay, so like as you were talking about, or as we were talking about, the mouth being kind of like a, um, an aesthetic kind of theme for the first movie, I think the 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 theme for this movie was obviously mirrors everything had a mirror there was yeah. lots and lots of mirrors lots of reflections and lots of things because like you know it wasn't just a mirror sometimes he was just sitting by a window and you can see the reflection of a candy right. man in the mirror in, in the in the reflection of in the glass so um that's another one of those things and then the last thing i wanted to bring up was like they've kind of talked about in the movie in itself that you have several incant or several iterations of these candy mans. They all manifested right there at one point as he was walking around, as Candyman was walking around the car the police car at the end of the at the end of the movie, yeah. after he has killed everybody. He's kind of floating around the car and his face is changing from Anthony. From McCoy. all the different iterations. Yeah. Yeah. So then, like, again, kind of saying that, you know, Candyman uh, can not only be invoked, but Candyman is, doesn't have a face. Candyman is everyone. Candyman is everyone. Yeah. Everyone and Candyman is black. It's every black person. Yeah. Every black person 
can be this Candyman creature or uh, somehow invoking this can- Candyman creature. So then he goes off, and then he appears on the other side of this fence when she, when when the the love interest runs up to you know kind of walks through the through that little courtyard area where the where where all the police were, where they're basically all lying on the ground dead, and then on the other side of this fence you finally see the last face and it's Tony Todd. Yeah. The original Candyman. And then he just, he goes off and he says, like you said, he says, tell everyone, but it's Tony Todd's face. Yeah. Kind of like saying like, okay, we have like Candyman can be anyone, you know, but you know, it's still just one fucking Candyman. Like there's, it'll always look like this guy. Yeah. It's also kind of like that fucked up thing where it's just like, you know, uh, this person, uh, I, oh, I thought you were somebody else, you know, like that kind of fucking talk where it's like, oh, I got you confused with someone because, you know, you, you have the same skin color. It was kind of like that kind of thing too, like that stupid kind of prejudice, but also like kind of taking, like leaning on that. Yeah. You know, and saying like, I don't know, man, it's just fucking scary. You know, it's, it, it, it freaked me out. And the, and I don't know what freaked me out. It also kind of, it also kind of, it was it was cool, kind of seeing the the change, the face the face changing. Yeah, sure, it was cool, but it was also like terrifying, because because yeah. also like the first thing that happened, the one thing that happened in the original movie was, was that Helen, you know, became a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? so it's just like anybody can become a monster. Anyone can be a monster. Yeah, right. Heavy shit. Yeah. All right, man. So I guess we're running out of gas here. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> oh, man. man. I got to go watch that movie now. But, yeah, uh, go go finish the original one. And then I think we both need to go see this this new one again. Yeah, there's so much there. Uh, oh, I didn't want to. I Just one more thing. What do you think happened to the dad? of that one girl, uh, the love interest. Um, I forget her. I forget the actress's name. Um, in which movie? In the original movie, uh, Tayana Paris. Huh. Or, I'm... yeah, the, the girl who played Brianna Cartwright. What do you think happened to her dad? Remember, her dad was an artist, and he jumped out the window. Oh, God, I was wondering about that. That kind of left me hanging. I think that I mean I think that that was done done on purpose. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I think he saw Candyman too. Yeah, maybe because I mean, weren't the paintings that were in the studio very much like those the paintings that Anthony was painting after he kind of went full on down the Candyman rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I, yeah. You know what? The, the other thing though, too, is, is like Anthony McCoy's paintings were all about um, just the mar- marginalization of the black community, right? Just the pain of, of having that existence. Maybe he just went down a depressive road, a road and, 
and killed. Yeah, him. I don't know. That I I I I really was left kind of wondering about that. Same here. I was hoping you'd have an answer. No, I have no answers. <laughs> you can ask anybody in my life. I have no answers. <laughs> Only questions. Only more questions. Yeah. Only more questions. <laughs> All right, man. Well, um, I, I know you're. I, I know you're running out of gas, man. So I won't keep you anymore. <laughs> I just enjoyed the shit out of this movie, and I'm just yeah, yeah. I have yeah. so many thoughts. We could, yeah. It, it, dude, it's just it's a it's a big it's a big movie. Yeah, yeah. Very it, large in scope, it, massive. I don't know what else I can say about it. Other than, I mean, it it hits hard. Yeah. And it should. Yeah. It's a great movie. It's more than I expected, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, one thing we got to do is we got we to gotta talk Matrix. Like, but we'll do that. It's too early for that. <laughs> you think it's too Doesn't early? come out till Christmas. There's three movies and a bunch of animated movies. Yeah, but the new one comes out at Christmas. That's yeah. the time for that discussion. Okay. All right. You want to wait? I mean, we can we can start talking about Matrix now, mm -hmm. but you know, I don't want to wear it out before before you get a chance to see the new one. Yeah, there's those trailers and everything else. So I'm, just, I'm excited. I'm excited and disappointed all at the same time. But you know, just, <laughs> I'm a spoiled brat, dude. I should just be happy. I'm getting fucking Matrix. But, you should. Yeah. You should be happy. <laughs> don't don't hold the makers accountable for your expectations. Oh. It's all Be a responsible consumer <laughs> of art. <laughs> all right, I will, man. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, brother. Well, thanks so much for showing up and yep. uh, talking uh, Candyman with me. Uh, this is Ego Traves with my co-host, not my cousin Dan. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. All right. Good night. Later. The song you're listening to is All Right by Cospe. Again, you can find them over at Epidemic Sound. Make sure you use my referral link in the description. Also, if you're digging what you're listening to, make sure you head on over to our website, theflowrollpodcast.com. There you'll find a complete catalog of everything we have along with a store. You can buy yourself some wall art, maybe a coffee mug. Also, make sure you follow us under the name The Flow Roll. You can follow me, Edgar Otraves, under the name Edgar Otraves. And don't you forget... Not my cousin Dan. You can find him under the name Dantastic Sizzler, all on Instagram. Man, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we 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 talked crazy. There's so much. There was so much there, and and I also went back and finished the first movie. They're just fantastic movies. Just so fantastic. I don't know what the intention was with Be My Victim. You know, I, I could totally be misunderstanding it. But, you know, that's what art is. You know, it's subjective sometimes. So, um, anyway, all that aside, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this one, and we will catch you next time. Behave yourselves. Laters.